Peninnah and Hannah. And they didn't get along. Surprise, surprise. You got two wives that can't get along? I mean, this guy's just asking for trouble, isn't he? Anyway, Peninnah was a bully to Hannah. She bullied her all the time. Because Peninnah had children, but Hannah didn't. And in that culture, a woman needed to have children in order to have worth and status. And so Peninnah was just really rude to her. And so we'll start reading verse, verse 6 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. So Peninnah would haunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. She bullied her on the way to church. I want you to think about how you got here this morning. Was it a holy experience? Yeah, probably not. I see your faces. Yeah. Sometimes our attitude in coming to worship is not the holiest of attitudes, is it? I mean, we're, we're, we're going to a place to worship the Almighty God with other people. And the process of getting here is anything but holy. You know what I'm talking about. We oversleep and then blame each other for not setting the alarm. The kids are fighting. I mean, how many kids woke up, Mom and Dad, I just want to go worship Jesus today. Yeah, come on. Let's be real. That's not how things happen. How many shoes could you not find this morning? And you're frustrated and you're running late and you get out of the car. Where's my Christian smile? Where's my Christian smile? Where'd it go? Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's difficult to go from that kind of chaos and stress and frustration and be able to worship God like God wants to be worshipped. Look at verse 8. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. And why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? What a comforting husband. Well, maybe. Look what he says. You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Typical male attempt at comforting his wife. Honey, I know you're sad, but darling, you've got me. It's in the Bible. It's hilarious. Even her own husband didn't understand her. She was bullied by this other woman. Her husband didn't understand her. She was alone. She had nobody. Look at verse 9. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. And Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon the agony of your maidservant, 
and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I'll give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime, and as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Well, as she was praying to the Lord, the priest Eli watched her. And seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she'd been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. But I'm very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And then she went back and began to eat again. And her face was no longer sad. In verse 11, Hannah actually calls herself a maid slave. Isn't that an interesting term? She calls herself a maid slave, and in the Hebrews, three times she refers to herself by this name. It's the same word that Mary, the mother of Jesus, uses to describe herself in Luke chapter 1. When she says, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, she calls herself a maid slave. She understands herself as a slave of God, a person totally submitted to God's provision and leading in her life. And so Hannah vows to dedicate a son, if she has one, if God gives her one, for the work of God in the world. So just try to picture this. Here's Hannah. She's in public. She's at the tabernacle. They didn't have a temple yet, so they had a temporary place of worship. She's praying to God, and she's doing this. She's, she's moving her mouth to pray, but she's not making any noise. And she's not saying anything. She's just moving her mouth. I'm sure she looked crazy. She looked crazy enough so that the priest accused her of being drunk. Cork your bottle, woman. That's basically what he tells her. So she's being bullied by this other wife. Her husband doesn't understand what she's going through. And the priest accuses her of being drunk. This woman is all alone in the world. She couldn't even go to church for comfort. In verse 15, Hannah says that she poured out her heart before the Lord. It's the same word that Job uses in Job 30, verse 16, where everything in his life had been taken away, utter disaster, and so he has nothing left to do but just to pour out his heart to God. Hannah poured out all of who she was to God in this moment. She held nothing back. See, Hannah lived in in an honor and shame society. She was always under pressure as a woman, not to hurt the reputation of her husband or her family. And by not having a child, that was damaging not only her reputation, but her husband's reputation. Thankfully, we've moved beyond that for for women in our society, but, but in that culture, that was huge. She was bringing shame upon her husband. And for her to be in public 
making a fool of herself, praying to God, she was making a public fool out of her husband. But at this point in her life, Hannah didn't care. She opened her heart to God and poured out all that was in there. She laid it all before God. See, to pour out your heart before God is to submit everything that we are to God. Now, I'm not talking about shallow emotionalism. You know what I mean by that? Sometimes we just get all emotional. That, that can be important, but I'm talking about something much deeper than that. Hannah wasn't just being emotional that day. This came from her heart. This came from the core of who she was. She wasn't hiding anything from God or anything from anybody else. She was completely vulnerable before God. There have been times in my life when I've wondered where God could possibly be. It was before I met Cheryl, of course. There are times that I felt like I've lost it all. That my life was in a tailspin. My dreams were shattered. My future was destroyed. There were times in my life when I had no hope. It was in those times that I remember, and it happened like it was just yesterday. I I remember crying out to God because I felt like I had no other place to go. Have you ever been there? I never doubted that God was with me. But I wondered, God, what in the world could you possibly be doing? Because I don't get it. Hannah experienced joy when she was finally able to pour out her soul to God. You know, when, when you stand up here, you can see a lot, and I notice a lot from y'all. I notice when you're like looking at your watch, when's the fool going to be done? I notice when you fall asleep, and that's fine. And I, you, know, you know what I've noticed this morning? Y'all have been looking at this thing. I've, see, I, I, I've seen it. Y'all have been looking at this. Y'all want to know what's in here? Are you ready? I'm about to show you. No wagering. All right. Ooh. Is it what you were expecting, maybe? Maybe not? All right, I want you to use your imaginations with me this morning. I want you to imagine that this beautiful coffee cup is Hannah. Okay? Isn't she pretty? And I want you to imagine, and I'm not making a theological statement here, that this picture is God. No, I don't believe God's a picture. Okay. And let's think about what Hannah did. This is Hannah. She poured out her heart to God, right? So she poured out all of who she is, every last drop to God. So that in that moment, there was nothing left of her because she had given it all to God. But what we discover in Hannah's life is what happened. 
You see, God didn't just fill her back up. He filled her up till her life was overflowing. That's why her face was no longer sad. Twenty-third Psalm, my cup overflows. You've heard that, right? It's what God does for us. That's what that verse means. When God touches our lives, when we empty ourselves before God, because we don't know what else to do, we don't know where else to go. God doesn't just fill us back up so that we're okay. He fills us up so that our life is overflowing with joy. That's what God wants to do in our lives. He doesn't just want to fill us up a little bit so we don't spill. God wants us to be a watery mess. Have you experienced that in your life? See, Hannah's cup overflowed with the joy of God like she had never experienced before. What's it going to take before we can humble ourselves to God to such an extent that we don't care what other people think about us? We're not putting on a show. We don't have to be perfect in everybody else's eyes that the private self that we are is the same as the public self. That we live authentic lives. See, sometimes the Christian culture in the church tempts us to appear like everything's fine when deep inside we're falling apart. It's like, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Eh. When I ask you that question, I mean it. How are you doing? It's about being real with each other, authentic. That's what makes us the church. And what's even more powerful is when we can go before God like that. This past year, we've lost some giants in this church. And from what I know of in other aspects of your life, it's been an emotionally trying time for you in other ways as well. It has been for me. It's been a year unlike any year I've ever experienced. And sometimes we feel the pressure to hold it all together. Make sure everybody thinks you're okay. You show me a verse in the Bible where it says to do that. What we see in the Bible are people like Hannah who didn't care what other people thought. She had nowhere else to go. The the significant people in her life, including the priest, didn't even understand what she was going through. See, until we can forget about social pressures and completely pour out ourselves before God, We're not going to be able to experience the peace and the joy in our lives that Hannah felt in her life. 
But for as powerful as an experience that Hannah had, her story is not over. If you still have your Bibles, look at verse 26 with me. You see, Hannah never forgot about the vow that she made to God when she said, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll dedicate him to you. So when her little son, Samuel, was three or four years old, she took him back to Eli at the temple. Verse 26, Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I'm the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. And if I can add a little aside, you're the one who accused me of being drunk. But anyway, that's not in the Bible. Verse 27, I asked the Lord to give me this boy. And he's granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Moms, I want you to think about something. When your children were three or four years old, could you hand them over? That's what Hannah did. She had prayed her entire life for a child. God gave her one, and what did she do? She gave him back to God. And he's one of the giants in the history of God's people. Samuel. Now Hannah probably knew that this priest Eli wasn't the most godly priest. He had his issues. He's probably not the best fatherly role model for her young son Sam. You can read about his boys. Yet she trusted God. And she handed her son over to be raised by Eli and the other priests. Remember that other wife, the bully, Peninnah? Imagine the ridicule Hannah received from her after she did this. You finally have a child after whining about it and then you give him away. Hannah, you're a fool. Yet Hannah didn't care about Peninnah's bullying anymore because she had a new overflowing relationship with God, didn't she? If God granted you the deepest desire of your heart, think about what that is. The biggest desire of your heart. If God granted it to you, would you be able to just hand it right back to him? Think about whatever that is. Seriously, I want you to think about it. What is that deepest desire in your heart? Could you hand it right back to God? See, Hannah had a faith in God that was beyond anything that other people could see. And she poured out her entire soul before God, including her deepest desire, her only son. Three or four years old, she had bonded with this child. But Hannah didn't care about what other people thought about her anymore. She didn't care what this would do. She trusted God. 
And she was at peace with herself. She was at peace with God in doing this. See, what's it going to take for us to stop living for God based on what's socially acceptable and proper? Maybe it's when we take our eyes off of ourselves and we pour out our souls to God. This morning, if you're still playing this game, I want you to stop. And it's the game called the Christian culture game. If you've been in the church a while, you know how it's played. I don't have to tell you the rules. Some of you may have been in the church your entire life. But you've been keeping everything inside so everybody thinks everything's perfect in your life. Because you never want people to see you as being weak or vulnerable. I mean, after all, you have to be the strong one. You're the one everybody relies on. You're the one that holds everything together. They can't see you weak. How long are you going to stay bottled up inside yourself? My prayer is that you will surrender yourself completely to God this morning. Don't hold anything back. Don't worry about how you look or what other people are going to see. See, Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead to free us from ourselves. He did this so we can live a life of freedom that's completely surrendered to him. And until we pour out our souls to God, we haven't really surrendered our life to him because we want to be in control of parts of our life. Listen, I'm almost done here. Whatever it is that's going on in your life, whatever hurt that you're facing, whatever heartache you can't overcome, whatever in your your past that you don't think you can outrun, whatever fears seem to be crippling your life, pour out your soul to God this morning. Only then, only then, can you realize that blessed are the poor in heart? We pray with me. Let's pray.